Man, welcome to New Life, everybody. Come on. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Hey, I want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at our Carney campus, both of our venues, as well as I need to say a massive hello to everybody worshiping with us live right now at our North Platte campus, as well as everybody that might be worshiping with us online. It's like every week I hear about somebody in some capacity, it feels like, that they've been worshiping with us online. Uh, and I know that you might be checking us out online, and I would invite you to come check us out in person as well. Uh, so for those of you that are traveling, that are still connected with us, I think that that's awesome. Way to, way to go, guys. Thanks for being connected with New Life. Uh, we are at the beginning of a teaching series. How many of you guys like, like to be a part of something that starts like at the be- very beginning? That's what I like too. Uh, you know, some of you, some of you are those like crazy people, and you love to jump into the middle of things and then like mess it all up. <clears throat> But most people, most people like to be there at the very beginning. You know, nobody really truly enjoys jumping into a group in the middle, if you know what I mean, right? Like, it's like they already got their dynamics, they already got their friendships, they already know what they do, everybody knows when to stand, everybody knows when to sit, right? People know when to say amen, when to leave. And so, good, check this out. If you're a guest with us today, or maybe you visited our church on Easter and now you're back, Here's the deal. We're starting a brand new teaching series. I I entitled it The Call. So let's discover what this whole thing really is all about because we're all at the at the beginning. We're all starting in the same place. I as a as a man have been fascinated with you know the life of of Jesus. One of the things that I try to do in my personal life is constantly be reading Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It's not that I don't read other, you know, books of the Bible, because I do, but one of the things that I've tried to keep as a habit in my life is either find a devotional or go on to you version and find some kind of Bible reading that's there, or just, you know, systematically read through Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. And the reason for that is that uh, I just want to get to know the person, the God, Jesus, like, I want to see, like, how he loved people, how he ministered to people, you know, what he spoke to people. I want to understand him better so that I can represent him better. And I think maybe many of you would go, yeah, that's a great endeavor to put as a goal for my life. And I would just say to you, go for it, right? Because you can get started whenever you want to, and it's going to be a journey that's going to last for the rest of your life to know who Jesus is so that we can make him known. I've often thought to myself, like, wouldn't it have been so cool to walk with Jesus some 2,000 years ago? That would have been radical. And I would really love to do it with all of the 2018 amenities. You know, like running water, a cell phone, Google, right? I don't, I mean, I, I, I would give all that stuff up, though, to still, like, just walk with Jesus, And I've often thought to myself, what would it have been like to be standing there as one of the 12 and have Jesus come walking by and then he looks at you. He makes eye contact with you, eyeball to eyeball, pupil to pupil, and he says, come follow me. He calls out to you, come follow me. The call, like, wow, that would be awesome. Like the closest thing I'm going to get to that is following the call that I know God's put on my life to be a pastor. But for many of you, many of you have this false idea of what the call really is all about. 
And you think to yourself, well, pastors are called. Missionaries, they're called. Evangelists, they're called. Certain other people with maybe musical gifts, like they're called, but you know, I, I'm not called to do anything. Like I just run my business, right? I'm, I, I just, I'm just a salesperson. I, you know, I, I'm just this or I'm just that. Like, am I really called? And I, and I want to tell you throughout this teaching series that yes, everybody is called. You may not be called to do what I do, be a pastor full time, but you are called. And I, I want to help debunk what the call really is for the, for the, for every believer, including me. I want to debunk it. I want to rebuild it. I want you to have a healthy picture of what it means to be called by Christ because Jesus is still calling people to come follow him. This is the call though. We're going to use this. This is kind of like the, the crux of where really this entire series is kind of like breathed out of. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says these words that you are a chosen people. So just take this as being personal to you. You're a chosen people. You're royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Watch for he, Jesus, he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. This is exactly what happened for the very first disciples. They got called out of the darkness, out of this life being lived absent of Jesus, out of this life where all they knew was what they were doing, a tax collector, a fisherman, called out of the darkness to come in and be with the light. Jesus called them to do that. So the call, the call for all of us is going to come boiling down to a few things. So listen to me. The call is an invite for you to go on a life-transforming relationship, a life-transforming journey with Jesus, just like the very first disciples. The call is also an invite to step out of the crowd, to come out of darkness and step into the light firmly and confidently and to walk with Jesus and to have our lives radically transformed inside and out by being in the light with the light, Jesus. And that invite to step out of the crowd is so that you can learn the ways of God. I mean, that's what is so awesome when you think about the first disciples. They, they spent hours and hours with Jesus learning the ways of God so that they could follow the ways of God. But not just so that they would benefit, but then thirdly, so that they could reproduce the ways of God in others until Jesus returns and he gives a final call, come home to his followers. So as we go through this series, I want to help you come to a point where you recognize there's a call on all of our lives and the call is inviting you inviting you to go on a journey to learn the ways of God, to follow the ways of God, and to reproduce the ways of God until Jesus calls us all home to be with him again. So week one of this new series, I would love to start at that very first call where Jesus went to those very first disciples, and he called out to them and he said, follow me. I'm going to take you to Mark chapter 1 verses 16 through 20, to read the account 
And this is kind of the premise of, of today's message. So one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Other versions might say, make you fishers of men. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called, Jesus did, he called out to them. And they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee, and check this out, in the boat with the hired men. Like, hey dad, see you man. You get these guys, right? And then off they go. And this is their journey. So there's so much happening in this passage. I would like to just jump in and start dealing with it from this perspective first. That the call to follow Jesus starts in the heart of God. It started in the heart of God. Like, just follow this with me. What was Jesus doing? He was out for a... This is, this is not like deep theological question here. This is like really like, this is super simple stuff, right? Like Jesus was out for a, right. So look, look with me. Let's go back to the passage really quick in verse 16. One day as Jesus was walking along the sea, right? Then he jumped to 19, you know, a little farther up the shore. He's still walking up the shore. He calls other disciples. It's the exact same thing Jesus did with Matthew or, you know, another name was Levi that he went by. Um, in Mark, the next chapter, in verse 14, it says that as he, Jesus, he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me and be my disciple. Like, he just came to know something today. Jesus wasn't out walking because he needed the exercise. Like, today, we could all stand to go for a few walks. Or at least I could. Right? Let's forget about you. Just me. I could stand to go for a few walks. Jesus is out walking that day thinking to himself, I need to go out and like burn some calories off because I'm really looking forward to this deep fat fried fish that I'm going to eat later that day. With the hush puppies. <laughs> and the ketchup and, you know, tartar sauce. And maybe an extra helping of fried fish. You know, I'm, I'm starving, by the way. So, Apologize. But Jesus isn't out walking because he's worried about the calories, guys. Jesus is out walking with a purpose. And the purpose was this. He had in his heart, fully God, Jesus, had in his heart that he was going to walk the beach that day and he was going to call these brothers to come and follow him. It was in God's heart first. It's the same thing for all of us that are listening to me today. Like God has been chasing you down. And he's the one who called out to you first. God, by the way, for some of you who have yet to say, yes, I'll follow Jesus. You're still like on the fence. You're still asking your spiritual questions, right? You're still searching for the truth. You're still looking for the evidence of God and his love and his grace and his, his proof of who he is in your life. I got that. Thank you so much for being at New Life. Like it's a safe place to search for that truth. But you need to know something today. Jesus is walking down the seashore and he's coming to you and he might be coming to you today even saying these words. You may not be ready. You're still mending your nets. You're still trying to figure everything out but he's going to say to you, follow me. And you've got a decision to make. And you need to know that it's in God's heart first to call out to you to follow him. The call to follow Jesus started in God's heart, not yours. 
Like you're not the one smart enough and you weren't the one who recognized, I just got this big void. What do I do with the big void? And if you did, who put the idea that you've got a big void in your heart? Who put that idea there? Did that just come out of the, like your brain firing left and right? Like you're just so smart. You figured this whole thing out and you, you got it all. No, it came from the very heart of God. God's heart first was for you. And he recognized your need for him. He's the one, just like Jesus modeled for the disciples, he's the one that came, came to you. And it's vital that we remember this. It's one of the traps of Christianity. One of the traps of Christianity is we, we tend to like grow in our faith and we get to this point where we forgot who called who. When you forget who called who, then you, you lose the humbleness that allows God to really maximize your life. It's like who's in the driver's seat question. Like Jesus started there, but then somewhere along the way you pulled over and he moved to the, the passenger seat. Like you forgot who called who. It's vital to stay in an understanding of what Jesus said in John 15, 16 when he said these words, right? Like you didn't choose me. What did he say? I chose you. I chose you. The call originated in God's heart. Just like it does in the heart of a mom or a dad who is wanting to adopt a child. Like, think about adoption with me for a minute. A, a couple that wants to adopt a baby, an infant, a toddler. Like, does the adoption process start in the heart of the child who recognizes at four months old, wow, I'm alone in this world. I don't have a mom or a dad. I need to get signed up for a mom or a dad. It doesn't start with the child. It always starts in the heart of mom and dad. It starts in their heart. They recognize, wow, you know what? Possibly, maybe this is what God's got for our life. And they start praying about it and researching it. And then they, they discover like, yes, this is the direction that we want to go. And in their heart, they already start developing a love, a passion, and they start making room in their personal life and their emotions in their love, in their finances, in their home. They start making sacrifices before they ever even get their hands on the child. Before they ever even get to hug them, before they ever even know what they look like, before they even know what their name is, their heart is already, I'm all for you. And so they go through the intense amount of paperwork, all of the background checks, all of the financial tests, like people probe into the details of their life deeper than anybody's ever been. And then they finally get approved and now they're on the waiting game. And every single day that goes by and the phone rings and they're wondering, is this the day? Is this the day? And then they get the phone call and from whatever country it was that they were wishing to adopt from, hey, we, this, there's a child. This child can be adopted by you. And then they hop on a plane and they fly to some place or they you know, go to some other place on the planet and they, they walk through the doors of this orphanage and, and the person there goes, here she is or here he is. And all of the love in their heart just bursts at that moment. And they wrap their arms around that child and they go, man, We've loved you before we even knew you. That's God's heart for you. That's what it means when Jesus comes walking down the shore and he goes, follow me. That God knew you before you ever knew him. And thankful, 
I'm, I'm so thankful for that because if you knew God before he knew you, I guarantee you what you would do is you would try to do everything in your power to impress him and or get his attention. And you could never do enough to earn God's love. Just like the child couldn't do anything to orchestrate their adoption, it started first in mom and dad. God's call to you first started in God's heart. And he goes, oh, I love you so much. My call to you is to adopt you into my family. Don't just believe me on this. I'm going to read a passage of scripture. I want you to look for this truth of the call to follow me, having originated in God's heart first. As I read this, just take a look for yourself. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Verse 4. Even before he made the world... God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be, the ho- to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. And we're going to praise him today. The end of this message, you're going to have that opportunity to praise him. What are you going to praise him for? I suggest you praise him for what we just read. Because what we just read clearly shows us that before the world was created, God already chose you. He chose to call you. That before the world was created, God decided that he wanted to adopt you. He wanted to call you his own. And that before the world was created, God found incredible joy as he dreamed about his relationship with you. And that before the world was created, God decided to call you to be his very own and to follow him. And that brings God incredible pleasure. So this call, this call of these first disciples was so profound in fact, it even, had, it even had more to it than just that the, the call was first originated from a passionate heart from God for you. It's also that the call to follow Jesus is a call to, listen, be with Jesus. Now, before you write that off as this, like, that's too simple. The call is just to be with Jesus. Like, what am I going to get out of this point? Listen very carefully. Jesus simply said to the first disciples these two words, follow me follow me like the call it it wasn't it wasn't a call to a certain destination like hey follow me to jerusalem or hey follow me guys as we walk down the shore a little bit i got got a couple things i want to bounce off of you no it was just like plain and simple follow me in the call, it didn't have any promises with it. Like, it didn't promise, like, hey, follow me, guys, and, you know, all of your needs are going to be taken care of. Or follow me, and it's just going to be an amazing life. Like, follow me, and I'm going to make you a rock star. Right? That's not what it was. The call wasn't glamorous. Follow me, you know, because I'm going to be the king one day, and you guys will rule. You're with me on this earth. It wasn't that either. It wasn't even a call to be safe. Like, hey, follow me, guys. I got a bunch of really strong dudes that are going to be with us, and we're going to do some really bold things, and you're going to see some incredible stuff, but you're going to be totally safe. Your family's going to be taken care of, like all that kind of stuff. It wasn't even a call to, like, you know, be rich. 
The call to follow Jesus was just a simple call that said this, come be with me. Be with Jesus. It wasn't a call of any kind of certainty. And listen to me today. Followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus, they don't always know like where they're going. But they always know who they're going with. There's never a certainty in this journey with Jesus of where he's taking you. The certainty is you're going with him. And I know that that's hard sometimes for you to wrap your head around because, you know, we, we are driven people. Like we like details. Like, tell me about where we're going. Tell me about what it looks like when we get there. Tell me about all these details, Jesus. Like, and I'll go with you like a hundred percent. I'm all in as long as you convince me with the details. But guys, guys, that's just not the call. The call was never that. The call was just be with me. It's like a married couple. Like how many of you guys are married here? How many of you guys like are not, but you wish you, you, you are going to be one day? Okay. All right. How many of you are sitting next to a person that you've just been waiting for them to ask you? All right. Don't, don't. All right. Maybe don't raise your hand on that one. Okay. Don't even, no, don't even nudge them. All right. Just like let that one go. I apologize. Forgive me. I'll take that on my notes. Okay. Oh, a married couple. Like Kim and I, we've been married for 31 years. Come on, somebody. Man. That is a long time to put up with me. I'm just saying right now. She's a wonderful woman, and I don't need any amens. All right, all right. So for 31 years, but guess what? Go back in time 31 years ago. Did I tell my wife, hey, babe, marry me? Because one day, one day we're going to live in Kearney, Nebraska, and we're going to be on staff at this incredible church, and this is what our life's going to look like. Of course not, because I didn't know that. I didn't even really know what next week was going to hold, if we're all being like really honest. What we did on the platform, like many of you at a church, is we committed ourselves to each other, and we made a vow to one another, right, that we would be together for the rest of our lives, for better or for, right, in sickness and in, right, until death do us. It was a commitment that we were making to each other. It wasn't a commitment that, hey, you know, if certain things happen, I'll keep following you. If certain things happen, we'll stay together. No, it was a commitment that we made to each other. Very much like when the disciples left the nets and they left the father's business and they left the boats and they left the fish and they said, okay, I'm answering the call. I will follow you. It was like they were making a vow to Christ. I'm going to be with you. Because that's all that the call was. In church, that's all the call was in your life. Will you come and be with me? I have no other certainty. So just when you boil it down to that simplicity, like don't you wonder to yourself, like what would cause these guys to just drop their nets and walk away? It doesn't make any logical sense. You you left the business at your dad. Your dad's there with hired hand. I guarantee your dad's thinking to himself, one day these two dudes are going to take over the business. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. Like You left everything? It's hard for us in 2018, isn't it, to wrap our head around that? But it was hard for people 10 years later to wrap their head around it. 
It was hard for people 24 hours later to wrap their head around it. What would cause somebody to walk away from something that seems so good? I think Jesus actually gives us that answer in a couple of really short parables. Still in the book of of Matthew, though. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Still in the Gospels. Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 13. He goes, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and he sold everything that he owned to get enough money to buy the field. In essence, a guy walks by a field, he sees this incredible treasure. He's like, what in the world? This is worth an amazing amount of money. Like, this is incredible. So he goes and he finds the guy who owns the land because he doesn't want to just take the treasure. That would be called stealing. So he goes and he says, hey, how much is that land? And the guy tells him a number and he goes, whoa, that's a lot of money, but I've got to have it. So what does he do? He sells off everything. He sells off family heirlooms. He sells his house off. He sells off his, you know, sweet donkey. Um, He sells off uh, extra canned goods that he's got in the pantry. He sells off everything, anything he has that he owns. He sells it off, all of his extra clothes until he gets down to one layer of clothes. And he walks up to the man and he goes, okay, are you sure you want to make the deal? All right, here's all of it. And he gives up everything to get the one piece of land that has the treasure that's worth everything. Jesus is that treasure. Why do the disciples walk away from everything good? Because they recognized that something great was in front of them. Now, they didn't know it all. They didn't have it all figured out, but there was something inside of them. There was something that leaped in their spirit. This this guiding of the Holy Spirit before they ever even knew what the Holy Spirit was, the Holy Spirit is like, that's great. Leave everything that's good. Then Jesus went on and he goes, look, I got even more parables to help this thing. So the next verse, he goes, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything that he owned and he bought it. Like this merchant, he knew what he was looking for. He knew when he spotted the perfect pearl. And he searched from island to island and little shop to little shop. And when he found it, he did the same thing the guy did with the land. Like he sold everything so he could have this one pearl. But here's what I find interesting about both of the parables. They both had the ability, both the man with the land and the man with the pearls, they both had the ability to recognize when the perfect came into their life. Now that's not because they're smart. If Jesus isn't talking about how you can like identify when you find like a rare coin. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's saying, look, the Holy Spirit will stir something inside of your heart and he will help you recognize when the great, when the perfect stands before you. That's why you decided to follow Jesus. It was because intuitively something was going on in your own spirit that you couldn't even recognize and you didn't know what was happening. But Jesus came along at the very moment that you were prepped and you were ready and he said, follow me. And something inside of your heart leaped and you went, I've got to leave all of this that was good or maybe it was all horrible and I'm going to follow the perfect. And very much like the merchant, God's been preparing hearts to say yes and to follow him. It's because he loved you before the world ever began. 
So the call to be with Jesus, though, it's a life of surrendering all so that you can get the best, which is Christ. But the call to follow me, or the call to follow Jesus, that is, is no casual call. There's nothing normal about it, especially in light of the way we just presented it, right? It's supernatural. It is the Spirit of God whispering into your very heart, and you hearing the voice of God to follow me. Guys, there's nothing normal about that. It's supernatural. Like, you don't want to blow past moments when the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart. And by the way, you can be a follower of Christ for the last decade, and you could still hear Jesus whispering into your heart today, follow me, because somewhere along the road, you sat down. Somewhere along the way, you got weary. Somewhere along the way, you've ever seen, like, the footprints in the sand thing? How many of you guys have seen the footprints in the sand thing? Okay. It became more of a butt print in the sand. Two, two feet walking along, and then all of a sudden one goes on, and there's just like this image. And for some of us, that's where we're at in our spiritual life. I actually do have a poster that says that, by the way, so it's true. I got it. That's kind of where we're at, man. We're, we're at this place. And so don't blow past the supernatural when the Holy Spirit is speaking to your life. Because when you answer the call to follow me, it should leave you looking, sounding, and behaving radically different. How will you know if you're still following Christ? Your life keeps changing. How will you know? It's the evidence of it. Let me give you an example. Let's say that a few minutes ago, you know, when it was my turn to get up here, the video ended, the lights came on, and I didn't come out. And like for 15 minutes, I didn't come out. And you patiently are waiting there. Yeah, you pulled out your phone by then and you're checking Facebook and you know, you're doing whatever it is you're going to do. And you're stalling and someone runs up, Pastor Nate runs up and goes, hey guys, don't worry about it, Jeff's going to be here. I, I guarantee you, like he's all in, right? He'll be here. And then like 15 minutes later, I come running up onto the stage, just huffing and puffing. I got dirt and grime all over me. And I get in front of you. I go, guys, I'm so sorry, man. I got, I'm so sorry I was late. Uh, coming from my house to the church, I took a different route. And if you know where I live, you'll know how lame this story really is. But because I could walk here, right, faster than drive here sometimes. But I took 39th Street and you, lo and behold, like as soon as I turn on 39th Street, bam, I get a flat tire. So I get out and it's the tire facing all the rest of the lanes of traffic and I'm stuck there. I've got the whole lane taken up and I'm out there and I'm changing the tire and people are coming by and they're honking their horn at me. And I, I swear, I'm telling you that they had to be new lifers, but man, they just were like mean. And so <laughs> just joking. All right. So I'm changing the tire and, you know, I'm knelt down and I, I'm weary and I'm trying to get this thing done. And I, I kind of get up and I lose my balance for a second. And I step out into the other lane and a semi truck came by and bam, just took me out. Like they just shot me hundreds of feet down the road. And it hurt. I got back up, you know, and I dusted off the grime and I got back to my car and I finished changing the tire and I got here as quick as I could. Now, if that was the story I told you, wouldn't these be the next two thoughts that go through your mind? Like he is a horrible liar or he's amazingly delusional. 
Like those would be the two thoughts that go through your mind. Why? Because if I really got hit by a semi-truck, I should look a lot different. I'm just saying. I should look a lot different. Like my arm might be like, you know, or my leg could be like this, or my head could be permanently facing that direction. I'm going to look a lot different. That's my point. And the point is that when you answer the call to follow Jesus, you step out of the crowd, out of the darkness, into the light, your life should look radically different. So, did you invite Jesus to join you? Or did you join Jesus? It's a key question. 20 years ago, you could have committed your life to Christ, but it could have been on the premise that I invited Jesus to join me. It's the wrong, it's the wrong foundation. It might be one of the reasons why you're struggling to see life change. Or along the way, you've now said to Jesus, you can keep joining me. I joined you for long enough. You may not have said it that boldly or that, that brash, but it could happen in, the, in just the way we live our life. So did you invite Jesus to join you or did you join Jesus? Here's another thoughtful question for you. Did you invite Jesus to make you a little more comfortable? Or has Jesus stretched you to a place of being uncomfortable? Change has an ability to make us uncomfortable. Spiritual change has the ability to make us uncomfortable. If there's a level of uncomfort, in a way, in what you're being challenged to walk in and what you're being challenged to step out and trust God for, most likely you're following the call to follow Jesus because he never promised in his call, hey, come follow me. I will make you comfortable. Come follow me. I'm going to make it super easy for you. No, it was just, remember, come and follow me. Like, be with me. So it's okay if you feel stretched. Don't get out of the game because you feel stretched. That's like right in the moment when you're following him. Don't sit down someplace and just relax. Like keep in it because he's doing something supernatural in your life. I guarantee you, Jesus is saying to every single person that hears my voice today, he's calling you, follow me. And that's our choice now. Whether we're gonna do what Ephesians says, we're gonna start giving him praise because he chose us before we ever chose him or not. I want to challenge everybody that's at New Life today that over these next few minutes as we worship the Lord through singing that we would praise him because he first chose us before we ever knew about him. And let's praise him for his incredible love that he has for us that he would call your name and he would invite you, follow me. Won't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, my heart as I just pray right now on behalf of our entire church, my heart's blown away with your compassion for us, with your enthusiasm to know us, with your sacrifice that before the world, before the earth ever came into existence, you chose us before the sun ever lit up and, and blazed in the sky. Lord, you already determined in your heart that you were going to call us, adopt us, and let us run life with you. Before you ever flung a star into the sky, you, you decided with great joy in your heart that you wanted to be close to us and that you were going to come alongside the seashore of our heart and you were going to say, Jeff Baker, you're going to call out every single other person's name and you're going to say, follow me.
Lord, I'm humbled by that today. My heart, in a way, is tenderized. It's broken before you because you chose me. And I look at myself in the mirror and, Lord, I just go, I'm not worthy of being chosen. I look at the things that happen in my life from time to time and I just go, God, how could you have ever decided to choose me? But Lord, in your incredible knowledge, you already knew the things I would struggle with. You already knew the condition that I would be walking and you already knew the things I would fall flat on my face with. But yet, even in spite of that, you said, follow me. I feel so unworthy at times, like many of us do. But Lord, we choose to praise you today because you saw something in us that we've never seen in ourselves. And may you keep revealing to us the Christ within us, that we would look more like you, sound more like you, behave more like you, that our life would truly be changed as we answer the call to follow me. In Jesus' name, amen.